0: and everybody to the longhorn republic your search for texas longhorn news sports and opinions with a bit of snark built and we are a podcast of burn orange nation and you can find more great texas longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com if you like what we do please give us a rating or review on apple Podcasts. helps get the show out there Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's honestly okay with shooting six over on the last two holes, Kyle Carpenter. How are you?
1: Oh, I would kill for that, but uh I I don't uh I don't represent a, a another Big 12 championship for the University of Texas men's golf team. Uh hey, look, Gerald, I'm not going to put anything squarely on their shoulders. They they didn't realize it, but they were the start of a no good, very bad, rotten, uh, whatever that saying is. Weak. Uh, I mean, we, like we 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 came on this podcast saying, man, things are looking up for all kinds of sports last week. We had sweeps all over the place. We had Big Twelve championships. Uh, last week was 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 great. This week, um, maybe maybe less great in in six or seven different areas. There were still some good some good, but. Uh yeah, they didn't don't know if they realized the omen they were portending when we had the Big Twelve Championship and dropped it in two holes playing basically like either Tin Cup, Jordan Speed at the Masters or myself on a Saturday.
0: It almost felt like all last week was when you walk outside and you know there's gonna be a bad thunderstorm. You could just feel it in the air, you could smell it. Like that's what being a texas fan last week felt like you just it just it felt funky i don't know it's the only way to say it it just felt meh. and well <laughs> the week bore out the meh feeling can, that can we you had.
1: can you spell that this is a you know this, can you spell that for our listeners
0: m-u-l-g-h meh. okay fair enough <laughs> all right. i'm teaching my kid phonics right now i'm all in the sounding it out let's do it i know uh, but We're here to talk about all of the absolutely terrible things that happened this last week because, well, Kyle and I both, we're not here to kink shame, but maybe we're a little bit of masochists. Who knows? Um, But Texas swept by Oklahoma State in baseball. Uh, Texas, uh, this is mixed news. Had a bunch of folks transfer out. We'll talk about why. We'll dive in more about that. But definitely missed in on a big transfer in. Texas also shut out of the NFL draft for just the third time since world war one, basically um, down the 40 with some better ish news, but still not uh, all great stuff today. And we'll close the out with some bang the drum. So let's just rip this stupid bandaid off as early as possible. Uh, Texas lost to Sunday. And that led to the uh, sweep season uh, series sweep at the hands of Oklahoma state Cowboys. Texas had a shot uh, to make up some ground in the big 12 uh, title race, but instead just handed OSU the clinch for that Um, Texas for its efforts dropped out of the top 25. Oklahoma state jumped five spots to number three, just an ugly weekend for the baseball team. Overall, the bats were there, but the pitching, whether it was uh, well, the starting pitching, on Friday or the bullpen on Sunday uh, and then just no pitching at all really in between on Saturday. <laughs> just a bad overall showing uh, top to bottom for Texas.
1: Yeah, Friday was Friday. felt like what I thought this series would be. And when I when I predicted originally what was going to happen, I thought we would go two and one. What we'll, we'll was, well, was me for making predictions? We'd go two and one in this one. And I thought there was a good chance we might lose Friday and win Saturday and Sunday. Um, Friday was our, our closest uh, to, to winning. Um, We didn't get that one, but it, it definitely felt like on the weekend games, the Saturday and Sunday, they were a lot closer than the final scores kind of indicate. It simply, well, no, they weren't. But up until, if you took two innings out of that weekend, basically uh, OSU scored 14 of their 24 runs in two innings, the sixth on Saturday and the seventh uh, on Sunday. And, and look, it, there's tons to... Not like there's tons to be alarmed by. Texas doesn't have a number next to their name, they started the season number one. I'm not here to try to sugarcoat that or sunshine pump that. It's awful, it's terrible. They need to figure something out and figure it out quick. I think fans need to adjust their expectations, you know, players who aren't named Melendez might need to adjust their expectations, uh, of, of what the difference between playing on a number one team and, uh, and, and whatever number they might finish the season with. Um, look, I think they're still one of the 25 best teams in the country. I think they're still one of the 15 best teams in the country. I think Oklahoma state is really good. Um, but Texas got their, their keister handed to them at the dish, which is not something we are used to. Um, but yeah, I mean, it started Friday and, and that's exactly what I thought this series would be was just It was like a heavyweight boxing match. It just felt like, as one you know landed a big blow, the the other came back. Right? It was tied uh, one to one, four to four, then six to six. Uh, They they kind of answered every time until the ninth, when Aaron Nixon gave up two runs in the ninth, and Texas couldn't get two uh, themselves. Um, So I mean. it was a tough loss, but that felt like, okay, all right, let's get ready for a good series. And then the good series just never really came.
0: It was good for one team, but definitely not the one that we're in the right shade of orange, but I saw somebody tweeting about it on, on Saturday. And it made a lot of sense to me. It's like Texas, we knew what Texas had in the starting pitching going into the year. And we had questions about the bullpen. There was velocity there, but placement was going to be the question. And it just wasn't developed. We didn't know. and, Asking and hoping that your bullpen develops midseason is just not a winning proposition, and that's been why Texas has been losing games, because the bullpen just doesn't seem to have the placement or the control, and part of that is Lucas Gordon being pulled from the bullpen and placed in a starting pitching role. Lucas Gordon could be a guy that comes in the bullpen and carries you for a couple of innings, but instead, because of an injury had to be pulled out of the bullpen and is now starting on Sunday and has looked like over the last couple of weeks, the most consistent of the three starters Texas has like Lucas Gordon. You've been able to set your watch to him. He's going to give up a couple of hits, going to give up a couple of runs, but he's going to give you a chance to, to win a ball game And Texas just fumbled the bag. It's it's insane to be handed a seven, nothing lead and walk out with a loss. Like there's there's no there's no world in which that should exist. Like if that like I, people like to put the Augie Garrido video on things, <laughs> and if you don't know the Augie Garrido video, look up the Augie Garrido video. This is inexcusable. Like this is the most Augie Garrido video moment of. Yeah. Like, of life, period. Like, if you think that is acceptable performance, then multiple people, not just your head coach, multiple people have failed you. And, like, that, to me, is just emblematic of the season. It seems like Texas puts itself in prime position and then finds a way to fall apart in the end.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I alluded to, right, in that that Sunday game, it it felt like something we've had before the tech series for instance where it's been an ugly series but we salvaged something with a, with a good sunday answer this team you know gordon is a good enough starter to start for most teams friday saturday and wasn't was the fourth starter right for texas uh starting the year and and it, it was like okay that's what we kind of feel comfortable with is we know we might not have the top end there might be something missing from what we thought it was but we got a good sunday then yeah even that cratered for the first time this season where we had been able to win Sundays basically um not on because of Gordon right he was great uh struck out a career 11 retired 13 straight batters between the second and sixth innings um had a you know 7-0 lead ended up giving up a couple um but the bullpen just cratered behind him I mean that that big where they had 10 runs in one inning uh I think they did it on four hits Gerald they had seven people with free passes during that I mean that's like that's brutal. That's just, you can't put that on the coaches. Can't put that on anyone. That's just the bullpen not going out and executing. They tried three different guys in that inning and couldn't couldn't get out of it. You know, that's it, it was just utterly brutal. Um, the the bats up to that point had been good, right? They'd hit a couple home runs. They had a back-to-back-to-back. Ardwan, Messenger, Campbell. I mean, it, it, the bats looked good, especially after being pretty much shut out on Saturday they lost 14 to 3 into the Saturday game but um that was one where you know again OSU went from a 3-0 lead where Stevens looked like he was dealing except the the one home run he was giving up every inning he'd strike out two guys and give one home run which you know all right um but then when you give up 10 in an inning uh it looked tough but look Texas was no hit until the fifth Silas Ardwin gets a walk in the sixth, they load the bases up. After giving up 10, it's like, okay, they're going to have some fight. And then when they didn't score there, I said, oh, man, the series is over. Like They could get swept. I thought right then, like, oh, man, they weren't able to answer. Uh, it was just bad. I mean, like I said, it, it you had two pitchers. Steven struck out a career-high 8. Gordon struck out a career-high 11. I mean, they were dealing. They just couldn't keep the ball in the park giving up some home runs in in steven's case they couldn't get the bullpen relief when the starters came out and the bats while they were you know they were good uh friday and sunday not great but good they weren't there saturday and you know the other team hit the ball out of our park which again is not a thing we're used to but both teams are doing it texas set the record yay for home runs in a season this weekend you know like they they obviously have been putting the ball out but they've (laughs) I would have to look at the stats for seasons they've given up this many home runs as well. So, I mean, it's it's tough altogether. I'm not ready to write Hanson off. I still think Friday's good. You had the last five Big 12 Pitcher of the Week awards between Hanson and Justin Campbell. Campbell's a top 20 draft pick. Like, that was sure. Um, Melendez went four for five with a homer in that game. There was good things individually. Messenger had two home runs in that game. There was individual good things. It felt like in this game, right? That Friday night game, for instance, Messenger, two home runs, both solo home runs, Silas Arduan batting in front of him went over 4. That's tough, right? You just think if, if he's able to get a walk like he does, if, if they're able to extend an inning, any one of those Messenger or either of those two Messenger hits could be the home run that, that won that game for him. Sometimes you just get unlucky, but it didn't feel like Saturday or Sunday was luck. It felt like something is rotten in the state of Denmark.
0: And I don't know what it is. I I have no clue what it is. And, and Kyle, if you and I had – the answer to that question, well, we wouldn't be behind microphones. We'd be probably in front of them uh, being asked questions. <laughs> There's just we came into the season feeling like Texas is going to be one thing and and, things fell apart pretty quickly, but it's not just for Texas. There are, you know, six of the preseason top 10, including Texas uh, are currently unranked. And you've got teams like Oklahoma state and A&M who are flying up the rankings that people didn't necessarily Oklahoma state had expectations. Like A&M didn't have expectations at all. So yeah. it's been a weird year. There's been a lot of parody in college baseball and, and
1: except Tennessee, there's parody for yeah. second place. Tennessee <laughs> is so much better than everybody else it's, right now. And
0: it's insane to think about that. Like, what 90 days ago we were talking about texas dominating tennessee like what happened to that team and i know we know some things that happened to it but i think fans are just going to have to get on board and get okay with texas being on the road in the ncaa tournament and having to battle through a uh, road regional potentially a super regional thing get out of the regional um, that's just what fans are gonna have to get on board with at this point mm-hmm. unless some unless they win the basically the rest of the season from here on out including the Big 12 tournament. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, win out and that's that's your that's your answer. So there is this does provide you a way out. A lot of sports, you know, I'm a fan unfortunately of Manchester United in soccer. There is no way for them to get Champions League soccer. There's just not enough season left. They can't do anything miraculous enough. Texas does have that. They do have it's the much harder route, but yeah, they they win out win the big 12 tournament you're hosting probably likely most likely you will um but it's hard you know just don't lose another game that, that's much easier said than done who do they got coming up
0: so next up for texas they've got houston baptist i think what are they the huskies hbu huskies yeah, it's always weird to are. me when texas schools are the huskies but that's neither here nor there uh hbu at home before taking on West Virginia on the road in Morgantown. So there was a big week of roster moves and potential roster moves for Texas heading into last week. And uh, as the portal deadline, the May 1st deadline for a guaranteed one-time transfer for 2022 approached, Texas was at least six-ish over the 85-man scholarship limit for 2022 and so they needed some folks uh, to hit the portal and part of that is because well texas signed 28 2022 players and has five currently committed uh transfer players with things on the way texas Lost a couple of names, a couple of bodies that honestly we didn't anticipate, but they got to or below eighty five because of it. From the twenty twenty one, we'll start. We'll start with the uh, oldest, twenty nineteen. Myron Warren and Marcus Washington uh, both announced their departure for twenty twenty. Calvante Dixon, Dejon Harrison, and Jaden Hullaby. Jade Barron still um, remains to be seen with about. 24 hours left or so on the uh, transfer window as the time. So let me explain that. That's weird. It takes about 48 hours for your name to show up in the portal. So if you enter it in at the right before the deadline, then your name will show up two days after the deadline.
1: There is some reporting at the time we're recording this Monday night that's been put out that says he did in fact enter the portal, but plans to, to take it out or already has. Again, we're recording this in a time of Brief flux, but I believe Anwar uh, put that out there, that there there is um, nothing purely official, but some reporting that that seems to be the case. So Jade Barron, as of recording, is a Texas Longhorn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: fingers crossed, right? So Jade Barron, 2020, 2021, David Abiyara, defensive end, D, lineman, Jordan, Thomas, and then that actually, there are two others that transferred earlier in the year, Terrence Cooks and Keith on lead. Uh, but this week, That marks seven this week that made room uh, under the 85-person roster cap for Texas. Part of the reason why is Texas is hoping to add some more folks. Um, O'Shawn Mathis was supposed to be one, but then um, somehow, I'm not sure why, but he was strong Texas lean for basically the entirety of his recruitment, and then the day before I don't know something changed we're just speculating at this point uh something changed right before and he uh, made the commitment to Nebraska so we'll see uh how that turned out but the roster churn has been real this week Kyle
1: four players out of the 2021 class is maybe the more interesting thing to me right you mentioned Terrence Terrence Cooks and, and Keith Runley joining or being joined by ABR and, and Jordan Thomas Thomas was a player who wasn't with the team last year for personal reasons, and then now is is entering the portal. So those guys have four years of eligibility left, which is almost the more interesting case. Like it feels like they didn't maybe give it the shot, um, but you know it, it is what it is. It feels like some of these other players maybe saw, as we anticipated, the depth chart, and we're pro- maybe we're process told they weren't going to play and should look elsewhere maybe they you know themselves i think marcus washington probably was a guy who the coaches would have liked to have but decided he wanted to be a starter somewhere and i can understand all of those perspectives um but but yeah i mean it's interesting it it it, the transfer portal is new right we are in the wild west we've we've said that we know that everyone has an nil take it's fine but um you know we, we did kind of you know we had a coach come in and say 33 new players right he 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 didn't shy away from that before all of this happened right he signed a big class uh went after five guys in the portal you knew some people were going to have to leave and and again it's a little unfair maybe and the only time i'll say this to tom herman and, and charlie strong but he's the third coach to come in sark that is who who, who said you know, I'm going to, I'm going to change the culture. I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to do something different. And again, having the access to the portal obviously makes that easier to, to be very noticeable, but this is the most tangible step we've had really since Mac Brown left of a singular program, program changing, kind of clearing one year sweeping change. Right. I mean, again, not every coach had, had the portal and, and you think, oh, it takes three years to get their guys when they recruit them, but they, the new, the new, state of college coaching is you you basically have players as restricted free agents right you have one-year contracts and you got to win them back right it's like you know i date my wife every every day you know wake up and and uh, and, and choose that life to be together you know you gotta you gotta woo these guys so uh, it's interesting i don't know if it's good or it's bad it's different um and so yeah i, I think good for sark that this was um this was what he said was gonna happen he said there was gonna be some changes it feels like there's gonna be a lot more of the sark type of guys remember the first sark guy the sark recruit the guy that he said i want him i'm gonna get him i made it happen was xavier worthy and uh turned out okay lord will yeah yeah turned out okay and turned down uh oh you know lord in the creek don't rise he's here for for two more years right he finishes his, his time before he's eligible for the nfl um, just in, in the burnt orange, but he has the type of talent you know to play on Sundays, and that's the first Sark guy, and he came in and did a thousand yards in his first year. Uh, you always say it, give the coaches their guys, and then see what happens. And so I'm not saying the pressure is more on Sark because he has the ability to speed up his timeline, but you know let's see an improvement this year and see the the vision a little bit more uh, with some of your guys. Um, but you know credit to him. We talked about roster churn; he did it. And we'll talk about it more on
0: Thursday in our Thursday show, just kind of talking about just the state of college football and, and through the lens of Texas roster churn. But I think, I mean, Sark came in from day one and talked about it. This is less about changing the culture, like the the guys that are going out and more about changing the way the roster is structured. Like Sark came in and made jokes about how there were more wide receivers than offensive linemen on the roster. And like, so he made the comment about we may have 33 new guys in next fall in November. So the numbers have been there for about six months, but the plan has been there probably since day one. And I think that's the thing we all have to keep in mind is that this was probably the plan and this was probably the idea. And you know what? It's not the way I would like to see these things done, especially seeing kids that, um, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, being shown the door, I, I respect the coaches giving them honest evaluations in their exit interviews and letting them know where they stand before that deadline hit. Like I respect that. But again, it's a little more cutthroat than my taste, but that's my personal preference. It's kind of how the game is. And it's why I'm never going to be a high level college football coach. One of the many reasons I'll never be a high level college football coach, but like this is, part of what it is now it's part of what it is going to be moving forward and i think this will be the only time hopefully that shark has to do this because the roster now more resembles what he wants it to be especially with the composition of the 2022 class with a third of it being offensive and defensive linemen like that the the roster is going to start resembling what Sark wants to see and hopefully that shows dividends on the field and in there I had a conversation with somebody about the emphasis that, that clearly has happened this offseason is preparing Texas not just for twenty twenty two, but when the transition happens to the SEC, whenever whether it's twenty-three or twenty-four mm. or even twenty-five, get it together, broke OU, like whenever it happens, this is this season and this off season is positioning Texas not just for the next twelve months, but hopefully for the next twelve years
1: agreed uh big big boys uh you know everyone loves big humans get the big bodies brunch with the bigs uh pancake factory like yeah focus on the bigs if you're gonna go to the sec get speed at your skill positions check get a bunch of giant big bodies who like to push people around i'm gonna give it a half check right we we think we got them we'll we'll see because that's a tough position to uh to check but yeah i mean like you said when you have more wide receivers than, than offensive linemen, something in your composition isn't quite right. Signed six offensive linemen, I think, have had five, maybe six even wide receivers. And we'll talk about it when we look at who's, who's gone and what's going on. But uh, they, have, they have flipped basically those positions, uh, brought a couple new guys in, but sent a lot of other people out. So uh, as always, we wish anyone luck uh, as in their future careers. They go on wherever they land. So speaking of
0: future careers, Texas shut out of the NFL draft but had eight guys uh, sign with teams either as undrafted free agents or uh, invited to a minicamp to complete for a, compete for a spot. Josh Thompson, Denzel Okafor ended up in Jacksonville. Brendan Schooler. I made jokes about him being a New England Patriots type guy. <laughs> He's a New England Patriot currently. Cameron Dicker. Out to the L.A. Rams, Cade Brewer in Seattle, Derek Kerstetter with Buffalo Bills. And then Darian Dunn, New York Jets rookie minicamp, invite Jacoby Jones, New Orleans Saints minicamp invite as well strong chance he might uh, make the most of that opportunity he's a guy that Texas would have loved to have uh with its edge issues this last year
1: yeah it's it's interesting right You're, if you do the thought exercise of what if this wasn't a five win team like what if this was an eight or nine win team and that was your your class who was leaving I I honestly think if we were a nine win team there's a a couple names added to this list who decided to come back right get some more tape and hopefully again just be on a better team you're going to have more players drafted but still when you look at this uh, the, the names that maybe stand out is if we are a 9 win team that probably means sitter has a slightly better year um uh, but it, you know i think maybe sitter is a guy who who could have been drafted uh, Dicker was good a a two-way punter and and kicker and one of our likeliest players to get drafted but again you're a special teams player it's it's some years it happens many years the best kicker or punter don't get drafted. So that, that was always kind of a toss up. I think Josh Thompson is probably the guy who suffered most. I think if Texas was a good team, you would have seen him be at least like a fifth or sixth round kind of pick because he's got good 40 time, good measurables. Um, and again, would have played on uh, a, a good team. Even if the defense wasn't great last year, if you found a way to win those games, you're everyone, the the Rose looks a little, uh, a little nicer bloom on it. Every, everything's a little sunnier. Um, I don't know that Jones done Schooler, uh, who apparently tested really, really well. Um, but I, I don't know that any of those guys... Okafor has sheer size, but again, I added, the line was, was tough last year. I don't think two guys are getting drafted no matter what. I don't think Brewer was getting drafted. So I think it's more about the fact that DeMarvian overshone came back for another year. That Bijan has another year for sure in college. Like There are a lot of players who have upside who didn't leave because, again, you don't want to leave on five wins uh, if you don't have to, right? Just the chances of you getting drafted from a better team are better. So, yes, it's bad. There's no doubt. You don't ever want this to happen. Um, but, again, if Texas is winning eight, nine, ten games every year, I don't think this is going to happen. And I think the more talented players who are back for Super senior covid years and there's there's more than even I, I rattled off but um might not be back because they might get better draft grades and
0: i think texas again like you said won't be shut out of the draft uh in 2023 i mean it may just be Bijan, but that likelihood is pretty low you mentioned tomorrow and we overshown there's some defensive backs that probably somebody could take a flyer on in a late round Offensive lineman, maybe you know who, who knows. Another year under Kyle Flood, and some of these guys may blossom into an NFL prospect. So Texas, not much else to say there, but uh, things possibly and probably looking up in the future. And again, this will be something that we talk about uh, that comes up in the Thursday show as we talk about kind of the roster changes and the churn and the current state of college. But now it's part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus, giving you a little bit of highlight into the other things going on, and we down. The 40. This on any other week would probably have been uh, a main segment in the show, but there's just so much that happened this week. Um, Sunday night via Instagram, Longhorn Legend should have his number retired. Andrew Jones announced that he is declaring for the NBA draft. He signed with Texas way back when uh, in Shaka Smart's I think first recruiting class or second recruiting class uh, as the number 26 player in the country. McDonald's All-American. Uh, all of the accolades. Finished the team third in scoring as a freshman. Like looked the entire part, um, but was diagnosed with leukemia uh, his sophomore year. Following, he was evaluated for a broken wrist and missed the remainder of that season. And, and um, has has been nothing short of an inspiration and a story of perseverance. And and uh, after like came back and played four games between rounds of chemo, and then went out for the remainder of the year. Came back and had back to back all conference seasons uh, following his get a clear all his having a medical clearance to play again um, finishes his career as number nine all time in school history as a score like and this is whatever I'm just going to say it like I got emotional I was the one that wrote the, the mm-hmm. Andrew Jones is leaving story for B.O.N. and my wife was like are you are you okay and I was like no I'm not like I'm not there um, but like the legacy that this guy has leave is leaving regardless of what he does after this like dude uh, is is one of the greatest of all time in my in my book
1: yeah, and, and I mean, there's the Freddie Steinmark kind of longhorn story that gets made into a movie that people read books and cry when they watch the movie for years to come. You know, there's that treatment that I think certainly fits here. Um, yeah, The fact that he not only is an inspiration for his journey off the court, but both before and after was, like, legitimately if not our best player for, for every year, you know, one of our top two or three players. Um, it's just crazy, right? It it is, it is insane. Um, it it, there is no world, which I, I think his Jersey doesn't deserve to be in the rafters. Um, when, when we, we tweeted it out, it was kind of interesting to see other fan bases, TCU fans, Oklahoma state fans, um, retweeted or comment and, and talk about the fact that they will root harder for Andrew Jones than, you know, anyone they can think of who is an alum of their school, right? He, he is effectively universally beloved and he earned that, right? Because there's one thing that cuts through the color of your Jersey and the team that you sing the school song for. It's the, the, the human struggle and, and, uh, human triumph and the things that, that seem impossible and absolutely doing them. And, and yeah, he's. I've cried. I've cried the day he came back yep. uh, and played his first game. I mean, I, like the, the day his teammates held his Jersey up when they won that crazy game at uh, the buzzer for him, basically when he wasn't playing uh, and held up his Jersey, I cried yep. like it, it, it touches a nerve. Um, but I, I'm also excited. You know, he, I guess technically I don't understand the rules could have come back for like an 11th season. He wasn't that 2016 class. Um, I'm so glad he's going to the next level. He he's earned it. I I want all the success for him. Um, you, you know, it's just, he is, he is a, a true longhorn legend. The crazy thing to think about Gerald, he was recruited in one of Texas's all time best classes with a, another, Five-star, basically, uh, player and Jarrett Allen, two McDonald's All-Americans. Jarrett Allen has played how many seasons in the NBA, Gerald? Is it like it's three or four? The 2021-2022 season with his second team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, is his second year in Cleveland. It is his sixth <laughs> in the NBA. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh!
1: So it's just you know, what? it's 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 wild to put into perspective when you think about that. The guy has I don't even know, probably a thousand career blocks already, you know, and yeah. and uh, and and now his his recruiting classmate. Uh, is, is taking the next step in the journey. Whatever happens, we will cheer for Andrew Jones as a human, as a professional, as a basketball player, as whatever it is, whatever he does uh, in his next however many years. We will be incredible fans, just, just an all-time Longhorn.
0: When they bring him back to retire as jersey, I'm going to cry. When they bring him back to be an assistant coach, I'm going to cry. <laughs> when they make the movie of him coming back, to play basketball i'm gonna cry because it's going to be like if rudy was actually good at the sport he was supposed to
1: play uh G- speaking Ger- gerald who would you cast uh as andrew Jones if that movie was made today obviously people will change in 10 years when they make the movie who would you cast oh
0: that's a tough one um the problem is everybody in Hollywood is short, but, um, McLaughlin from stranger things, AKA the black kid from stranger (laughs) things would be somebody that I would probably look at. I I like him. He's not exceptionally tall, but he's kind of built like Andrew Jones, long arms, kind of skinny, but looks like he could explode on a, on a basketball court if needed to. Uh, now I want to, now I'm like Googling how tall Caleb McLaughlin is. Like I'm a 14 year old girl, Uh, (laughs) but it's fine. It's okay. Um, Oh he's six one. We could total Oh he's five eight. No, he's five eight. No, five eight uh, no. is tough. Five eight <laughs> is definitely tough. Um, you know what? Tom Cruise has done action movies for a long time and he's About that height too That's either here or there A guy who's not short Dylan DeSue Declared for the NBA draft uh, But is probably Not hiring an agent Not leaving likely Probably going to make his way Back to campus After getting some feedback From the process
1: Gerald the answer By the way Was Jamie Hector uh, A.K.A. Marlo Stanfield From The Wire Um, But uh, (laughs) I don't know how tall he is But Dylan DeSue He is tall And Texas will need him And and, and look I've made predictions on here Hundreds of them And maybe one or two of them have not come true Uh, I think I said Mitchell Daly would have a breakout year at the plate for the Longhorn baseball team Um, but I think I really think people are underestimating Dylan Desu I think the potential is there I think he was never fully healthy from his injury this year I'm hoping a year in the system understanding that Texas needs that big he has the ability to be a shot blocker to be a rebounder um, that he can step into that role I really think Desu has the chance to you know to be one of the one of the you know four or five best bigs in the big 12 next year if he can take that step up i think that the big i'm not saying he will absolutely but if he can take that step up i think texas you know can really go far with the team so though i i think it's unlikely that he will get drafted i i am hoping that he will come <laughs> back i also think that there is a good chance that he takes a big step up next year
0: Again, we've been saying it all offseason. I think there's a, with the talent coming in and the positional plans and the the spots that they're in, I think a lot of guys are going to take a step forward next year. Speaking of a team that's taken a step forward, number 16 softball closes out the Texas Tech Red Raiders three game sweep. It was a narrow, uh, kind of tight one on Sunday and Friday, really. Uh, but Texas sweeps Texas Tech. Uh, they were already solidified in third place in the conference, but it always feels good to come away with a sweep.
1: That's right. And uh, I don't know. There's something about UT and Texas coaches that just it rubs people the wrong way. So after this sweep, Texas Tech announced Monday morning they were firing their entire softball staff. So you, <laughs> you hate to see it. Um, Texas Tech's women basketball coach has uh, gotten on the wrong side of Vic Schaefer's uh, uh, ire. Uh, obviously, their their basketball f- fans, um, are great for interactions with Texas so- social media. Uh, they keep bumping us up the interactions chart. Um, and, and now we fired their softball coach. So it's just, it's a tough, tough combination with them. Oh. And I think maybe a couple games after where they, they fired their football coach after we hung 75 on them. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. We're talking about softball and you're right. Haley Delcini was great to get the win Friday. Um, and, uh, came in and also got the win, um, on Sunday, came in for four innings in that one, so I really like this team. You know, after a tough Oklahoma State uh, series, coming back and uh, getting it right, and and you know they're going to need pitching. Like that's what's gonna that's what's going to be the difference if they can do something in the postseason. So we're it's not just Dolcini, Sophia Simpson, Estelle uh, Czech. I mean, there's there's multiples who we want to want to see really hit their peak at the right time. Um, but again, I think that this squad will go as far as your ace takes you in right now. Dolcini is that.
0: You know, she had a great she had a great outing on Friday. Actually struggled a little bit on Sunday, but Estelle check came in uh, in relief and, and really closed things out, even though uh, Dolcini got the win. But Texas now closes out regular season play with Baylor, who is, I think, five and 10 in conference play so far. So hopefully that one is a drama free weekend before heading into the NCAA tournament. Texas really legitimately is just stuck in third place. Um, there's no, there's no way that they can move up. OU and OSU are both 14 and one in conference. OU's one is Texas, though. Suck it. Sooners. Um, They play this weekend for the Big 12 title, so basically whoever wins that series will win the Big 12 title, lock in that one seed. Texas locked in at a three seed for the Big 12 tournament here happening in a couple of weeks. Number one, rowing, does what they do and swept not one, not two, but three Ranked teams plus UCLA was there as well. Uh, Big margins for all but really one of the five races that they won this week
1: yeah and, and my favorite thing to see always is is when uh, a longhorn b team comes in second place of any of the races which was the the case with the third eight um uh, but yeah when you have the home waters you have to protect it and it seems uh, with with near double digits uh and in, in the the pinnacle right the first eight the biggest of the races uh 12 second win there over over some ranked opponents shows good things rowing is uh they're pretty pretty incredible
0: doing big things number one track and field um they were at two different locations this weekend uh the distance team was at the uh kind of legendary pen relays while everybody else was at the lsu invitational the pen relays uh texas won two distance events uh yasin abdallah won the 5000 meter which is just absolutely too many meters, uh, while uh, the team of Yusuf Bismana, uh, Cruz, Gomez, Abdallah, and Creighton Caroza took the four-by-mile relay, which, again, far too many
1: miles for me. <laughs> yeah, it's driving distance at that point. No, out of a field of 90, Yasin was the uh, only one to break 13 minutes and 50 seconds, which, again, if my map says that uh, and there's a drive option, you know, I might, I might probably drive, get there in six.
0: That's three miles he ran in under 14 minutes. There are cities in which you can't drive three miles in 14 minutes. <laughs> Some of you live in cities where you can't drive three miles in 14 minutes. Everybody else was at the LSU Invitational. The women's team broke the program record in the 4 by one en route to a victory. It was their own record, but that's either here nor there. The 4 by 4 team set a stadium record in their win. Tyra Gittens yawn, wins the high jump again. <laughs> Crystal Herpin won the discus. Jonathan Jones, yawn, broke another record, second fastest time. Uh, and then trippa Perry won his four fourth straight shot put event um texas might might bring home another natty in this whole track and field thing what do you think kyle
1: gerald you 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 pessimist to say only one natty (laughs) uh that's number one men's and number one women's i mean drink we've had a tough show up to this point drink that kool-aid in uh and just know that uh we need a, a, a positive thing here towards the end They're going to win two natties right here. Um, That women's four by one, by the way, is the not only they break the program record, they also uh, have the fastest time in the country. So um, you're talking about some national champions. You're talking about um, some some, you know, individual and team national champion numbers all around here. So really good men's and women's just elite all over the place.
0: Speaking of elite, that's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum
1: Brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? I wasn't sure what I wanted to bang the drum on. I went back and forth a couple of times. And so I'm going to tie a couple of things together here. I
0: like I like when you make unrelated things related for your banging the drum. Uh,
1: these ones are related, actually. <laughs> but it's a different way of looking at a couple of things. And I'm talking going back to the well of baseball. There was a moment that was ridiculous in a, in a weekend of ridiculous um, in the Sunday game where... If, you know, you're obviously familiar with the dish. Most of it is, is turf and fake dirt, but obviously the pitcher's mound is real dirt. But apparently somewhere around the second inning, uh, Oklahoma State's pitcher and coaches decided the dirt just wasn't the right dirt. They'd been pitching on it all weekend, but something something wasn't right. So they huddled. Pierce had to dirt. come out. that's right that's right they looked at the the mound and delayed the game and it was ridiculous and uh one of my favorite images coach david pierce uh, a, a man who's probably fed up with the weekend in general and fed up with this sunday nonsense goes out and is raking the dirt himself he basically said you don't like it give me the rake i'll fix it um so there's a picture floating on social media of him working a rake which was amazing um but a, I love that. B, I love that immediately after that, after they, they raked the mound, uh, that's when Texas went back to back to back <laughs> with three home runs on the next, in the next three batters. So also love that. Obviously didn't love the weekend, but look, it, I don't know if that's a sense of humor or a sense of frustration from Coach Pierce, but Tennessee has four losses this season. One of them was Texas with their ace. Um, uh, since that game, Tanner Witt pitched; it couldn't was scheduled to pitch the next game and could not. Uh, it, it may have also been the, the game that I went to this season, so there may be some some cursing that I did. Um, but since that Tanner Witt injury, Texas is barely above five hundred this season. They started out eleven and zero; they're twenty and sixteen since. It's not been easy for David Pierce when you're the number one team and you have you know a big injury uh, that shakes up kind of the foundation of of your pitching. Rotation. Um, 20 and 16, barely above 500 ball is tough. This is a long year for him. But I've also seen people online calling for Coach Pierce's seat to get hot, which is wild. I've seen people online really targeting their ire towards Sean Allen. Let's remember that Sean Allen won the Assistant Coach of the Year award for having the lowest ERA of any team in the country one year ago. And people are saying this is all his fault. Our pitchers, they suck. Pierce can't run a rotation. He, they both need to go. And I feel the frustration. It's a tough year. It's a tough season. It, it's it's up there in the running for most disappointing. Basketball had big expectations, but they weren't number one. Football, We we bought the hype of a new coach. Everything's going to be fixed. And it was tough. Baseball with a number one ranking might be our toughest season. We'll see how it ends. But guys, I plead, and I'm sure it's no one who listens to this podcast, but please don't be that person. Like, the Texas meltdown and overreaction to every event, if we don't sign a recruit, if someone's in the portal, if we lose a game, if we don't win every single national championship, I know we joke about that, but there will be tough days. There will be tough games. There will be losses. It's okay. It's okay. We will fight another day. We will never get to the point where we win every game in every sport, all the way across the board. Like we're gonna, we're gonna have ups, we're gonna have downs. But I, I have faith in the direction. I do think that there, there needs to be some results across these big three revenue sports. I think you have three fantastic coaches, and I, I think Pierce right now has the best track record of any of them. So guys, please pump the brakes, and gals, pump the brakes. Like, take a breath, maybe a Xanax, whatever it is. (laughs) Just relax a little bit. Go out, get some sunshine. Come back. It'll all be okay. Even if we don't win a Nashville championship, it'll all be okay.
0: Just touch some grass, guys. Touch some grass. Maybe put this podcast in your earbuds and go touch some grass. We'll have a nice discussion on Thursday uh, that definitely probably, actually probably will make your blood boil. but That's fine. Uh, I mean – People were calling for Pierce's head at the beginning of last year, and Texas was a couple of pitches away from playing for a national championship. And so, um, patience and Texas fans don't always go together. In fact, they very rarely do unless uh, running out of is before immediately in front of the word patience. Um, but I think it's just – it's got to be – you don't expect your Sunday starter to go down completely throwing off your rotation. Like that's something you can plan for necessarily. And, and while there are issues with the bullpen, I think, um, there are a lot bigger and other things happening than just warming up, uh, the seat of a coach who took Texas to the brink of a playing for a national championship a year ago. I'm banging the drum this week on my favorite drum to beat. Um, This week has been wild with transfers, with NIL rumors and rumors of players being paid and all of those things. And frankly, I don't necessarily care where you fall on the issue. You know, when you get when you get Clarence Thomas and Sonia Sotomayor to agree that the system is messed up, then you know the system is messed up and something needs to change. And a lot of people are blaming the NIL rule changing, destroying college football and all of these things. And it boggles my mind that people continue to blame the rule and not those in charge of making the rules for their lack of actually making rules to make this thing uh, not be terrible. The NIL rule is not a bad rule, and it's honestly... The vast majority of things that are happening in the NIL front are not this, right? Somebody paid Bryce Foster a 1000 bucks to be the flower girl at their wedding. Like, that's hilarious, right? NIL is the kid that caught the game-winning pass against Texas uh, getting a deal with the local Applebee's for some free apps and a $50 gift card, right? Like, that's what NIL is for the vast majority of it. It's allowing female athletes to capitalize on their 1.5 million Instagram following, uh, to monetize. It's the NCAA not shutting down people's YouTube channels because they just happen to also be a college athlete, even though they don't mention that on their YouTube channel. They're just playing Roblox or something stupid. I don't even know what it was, but like, that's what NIL is. And so Jordan Addison is getting all the buzz, right? Oregon or USC or whoever trying to poach Texas players for hundreds of thousands of dollars is getting the headlines. But the vast majority of what NIL is doing is what it's intended to do. And so the fault is not on the NIL rules, it's the fault on the NCAA for continuing to be an organization that refuses to protect college athletics from itself. Because it's been a money business for a very long time. The first time a coach got paid, it became a money business and coaches because they're competitive people are going to do whatever they can within the realm of the law to gain a competitive advantage. Since the first forward pass has been thrown, that is the story of football is finding the creases in the rules to find a competitive advantage. So the fault is not NIL rules because you know what? That kid Jordan Whittington getting his teeth whitened for free because he posted it on Instagram is not destroying college football. The NCAA itself for a long time has not done its job to protect college athletics from itself. And that is the major failing of all of this.
1: I understand that people are very upset that everything, that college football is changing. Um, that, that, That Jordan Addison got a deal that's never been heard of um and oh whoa is college football look what's happened guys all this the only thing that's happened is reggie bush's deal is now on the table like (laughs) usc has been offering that exact package a couple million in the house uh and some perks for your parents um for for years 20 years Uh, now guys Oklahoma did that SMU love coach Nivar. I saw him post a, a picture of they're busting out the, the, the trans am like they're leaning into it. Everyone except UT of course has never done that, but every other school has, has done this for years. Nothing has changed. It's just visible. Um, And if that, if you love the charade, if you, if you love the sleight of hand where you don't see it and, and you get to clutch your pearls and you get to look down your nose then I do feel for you because that has changed. It is a bit more transparent these days. And sometimes people don't like the bright lights. They like to watch the movie with the house lights down. So you don't have to see the sticky stuff on the floor, what it is, right? Like you, you you don't want actually ended up being a fantastic analogy. You don't (laughs) want uh, to know, you don't want to see it. Let me just enjoy the show. Um, Yeah, guys, nothing, nothing's changed.
0: And that's all we've got for you this week, we're going to talk more about roster churn and just the current state of Texas and college football on Thursday. But Kyle, between then and now, where can the good folks find you on the Internet?
1: Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer.
0: You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Calm. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook
1: them. I'm so sorry I went to that UCLA baseball game.